we looked at the first week saying, who are we? And we looked at some of the diversity within this church. We looked at some of the different cultures within this church. We have a few number different languages that we speak. We, we, we present our services in two different languages. And, and we have all these different things that make us who we are. And every church has their own dynamics. Every church has their own cultures and, and their own diversities that they have to wrestle through. But we said in that first week that we are the body of Christ. And we looked at the passage in Paul where Paul says there's one body, but there are many parts. And so we said that even though we are very diverse, we make up one body. And the other thing that we said is Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And we must always remember that. Jesus is the head of the church. I am only one part of the body. We together are the body, but Jesus is the head of the church. In week two... We talked about the mission of the church. What is the mission of the church? We read that we are to go, and that we are to make disciples of all nations, and we are to baptize, and we are to teach people everything that Jesus has taught us, everything that Jesus had commanded. And so we made this statement last week. We said, in order for us, if we do not come under the authority of Jesus, we cannot fulfill the mission of Jesus. So in order for us to to do the mission of Jesus, we must first come under the authority of Jesus. We have to give Him His rightful place. He is the head of the church. He is the only one who died for our sins, rose from the dead. He is the only one to whom God gave all power, all authority on heaven and on earth. And so we must see Jesus as the authority of that we will come underneath. And if we want to accomplish His mission, we must first and foremost accept Him as our head. We also said last week that in order for us to understand the mission of the church, we're going to say it this way. Our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We are not interested in just having someone make a prayer and, and cross over some line that somehow they think they've crossed over now because they prayed a prayer. We want to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, which means that because they are fully devoted followers of Christ, they will then go and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And this is this beautiful circle that just keeps going and going and going. Every single one of you here that has given your life to Christ, who has said, I have surrendered under the authority of Jesus Christ, your mission is to continue to lead people who will make the same commitment that you've made. That is the mission of the church. And so today we're looking at the vision. What is the vision of the church? And, and so I want to just explain this a little bit because the vision of a church can change often. The mission of the church never changes. The mission of the church is always the same. To lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. To go and make disciples, to baptize, and to teach people everything Jesus has commanded. That is and will always be the mission of the church. But as a church, we may look at different visions at times and say, you know what, this year we really want to focus in on this area. This year we're going to really focus in on children's ministry. Or this year we're really going to focus in on you know, doing something locally and, and focusing on, on you know, different projects here within our region or within our, within our community. And so we may have all these different visions. This year we want to go this direction. But every single 
vision that we have has to come out of the same tap, has to come from that same mission, that whatever our vision is, it is to fulfill our mission. We never are driven by our ambitions to do certain things. We are always driven by this command that we've been given to go and to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so today, we want to look at, as a church, how are we going to fulfill this mission? What is our vision? How are we going to do this? And so I want to use, just so that it stays simple, I want to use the four E words that we have used in this church before. And I just thought this was one way that we could continue on with the the words that are familiar to us and say, this is one way. This is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to focus in on how are we going to fulfill the mission of this church. And so the E words that you guys have seen before, they're on our website, they're on that back wall. Exalt, embrace, equip, extend. And so we'll unpack these in a little bit. Exalt God, embrace one another, equip for service, and extend the kingdom. But again, it starts with the mission. It does not start with that vision. The vision is to fulfill the mission. So we're asking, how will we do this? Well, we will exalt God. We will embrace one another. We will equip for service and we will extend the kingdom, bringing us full circle. So let's look at these. If we're going to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, one of the things that we will have to do is we will have to exalt God. So The first one, E, exalt God. Let's look at Psalm chapter 100. Here the psalmist, he gives this instruction. He says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. So this isn't just for Leamington. This isn't just for, you know, the charismatic people. This isn't just for the Pentecostal churches. This isn't just for the, you know, the brethren in Christ. This isn't just for those other churches. All people. The whole earth, we are to shout for joy to the Lord. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful song. So we are to worship God with gladness. Why would we think that someone is going to want to embrace the Jesus Christ that we've embraced if we look so miserable? If we're always like, oh, life just stinks and it's just hard and I've got no joy and, and we're never glad, we're never excited or anything like that. Why would someone be like, man, I want to be like that? It's just not going to happen. So we don't need to worship all quiet. Nothing wrong with that. But we can worship God with gladness. He says here, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. David here is writing, or the psalmist here is writing, we do this because there are some truths that we know, and one of the truths that we know is that the Lord is God. There is no other God. And not only is that true, but we are His We're not some orphans. We're not abandoned. We're not without a father. We have a father, and so we need to worship loud. We need to praise him. We need to be glad because God is God, and we are his. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. 
For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The faithfulness, the love of God continues to this generation and to every generation that's to come. As followers of Christ, we must, we need to exalt God. We will have a difficult time leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ if we aren't excited about following Christ. Say, hey, you want what I have? Because it stinks. You want to be a Christian? Because it's just awful. You see how miserable I always am? You could be the same. I'm not saying we Christians fake it. Christians are going to have difficulty. But here are some things that we can always celebrate. God is faithful. God will endure forever. God is Lord. Lord, The Lord is God and we are His. Those are some things that are always going to be true. And so even in the most difficult time in your life, those are some things you can still be glad about and rejoice over. There's a translation out there and I have no idea how accurate it is as far as the original Hebrew but I like the way they said it, and so I'm going to read it. It's from the Easy English Translation, and so this is not necessarily the Bible you want to pick up. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but listen to how they say it, and I thought it was kind of neat. Everyone on earth, shout to the Lord. Do something for the Lord to show that you are happy. Come to Him with songs of joy. Know that the Lord really is God. He made us and we are His and we are His sheep in His fields. Say thank you when you're walking through His gates. Stand in front of His temple and say good things about Him. Do all of this because the Lord is good. He is always loving and kind. He will always do what He has promised. We want to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We have got to worship. We have to worship. So here's a question I want you to ask yourself, and this is a a hard question, but ask yourself this question. If someone were to watch you for a week, and I mean watch you everywhere you go, and see you in your alone time, and see you when you're at work, and see you in your most tense conversation with your spouse, or with your children, if someone were to watch you for a week, would they want to be you? What would they see? What would they hear you talk about most? What would they see you get excited about? What would they say that you love more than anything else in this world? If we're not worshiping God, we can't expect to lead someone else to do so. If we're not worshiping God, it's going to be very difficult for us to say, hey, come and have what I have. So David says, shout to the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful song. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, I don't want any of us to start doing freaky things. You know, like someone talks, like I heard this comedian who talked, you know, someone talks about 
you know, they have a dirt devil um, vacuum cleaner and you rebuke the thing in the name of Jesus because it's got the name devil and, and, you know, and those kind of things. You don't have to get all freaky. So every time your friends talk about something, you're like, well, you know, Jesus is Lord and, and you get all freaky and in their face and things like that. I'm not talking about being like that. But someone may at times ask you, hey, why are you the way you are? How, why is it that your kids are doing the things your kids are doing? Why is it that you go to church every Sunday? What is it that you did yesterday? And these would be great opportunities in a very subtle, affirming kind of way to say, hey, here's something you need to know about me. God is the best thing. Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And again, you're going to have to do that in a way that doesn't freak people out. But here's something I know about all of us. We love to talk about things we like. I'm not picking on anybody here, but we've got truckers in the, car, in the crowd, right? Where's our truckers? Woohoo! Yeah. You go join a trucker circle, guess what they're talking about? Trucking. Come on. I'm not making fun of you guys. You go join a circle of people who like baseball, which is like this whole church, it seems. And what are they talking about? Baseball. Man, season's coming to an end. I can't believe we lost. And what a horrible call and all these things. And they talk about baseball. You, talk, you get into a circle of people that like techie things. And they're talking about the latest thing. Talk about people who like movies. And they're talking about movies. Oh, man, I can't believe they're making another Superman. And they're going to bring Batman into it. Like, that's just horrible. Okay, I'm kind of giving away my conversations. We talk about all these different things because we have the, these people that we gather with that we're excited about the same thing. I don't want to sound all weird, but we have all these circles every Sunday morning. Can I ask us a simple question? Where's the Jesus circles? Where are those circles in our midst here in the foyer where we're just going to meet together with people and say, hey, God's been doing some cool things in my life. Here's something I learned that God has been teaching me. You see, we will talk about the thing that we love the most, won't we? But all of us would say, we love Jesus the most. So we are to worship God. We need to exalt God. We need to constantly enter His gates with thanksgiving and His course with praise. We need to give thanks. There's nothing wrong with calling a friend up or calling someone up and saying, hey, I just want to tell you something. Unbelievable. God just answered a prayer. He just did something in my life. Unbelievable. I just opened a passage that I've read many, many times. And today, for the first time, I saw something in this passage that I've never seen before. There's nothing wrong, church, with calling your friends and telling them that you're excited about what God's doing in your life. No amens? All right, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's too late. That's too late. You guys, when a pastor's got to beg for an amen, it's just stay quiet, all right? Amen, someone says. Just stay quiet, Ike. Um, boy, oh boy. Feeling the love now. Feeling the love. I think that was the sound of a brother. But anyway, our lives, get this, our lives need to be an expression of praise. We need to express our praise and our gratitude to God. We need to give thanks for all He's done. We need to praise His name. You see, some of you are morning people, and I'm a person. So when I have a meeting with someone before 10 o'clock, it's like, you know what? Don't hold me to anything I say. Because before, before 10, I'm not sure I'm totally there. Some of you are like, I do my best work before 7. You know, it's like, 
I don't get you people. I know that some of you, you like wake up and you're like, boom, there's like a spring in your bed and you're out of bed and you're dressed and brushed and everything within like two seconds and you're ready to go. Not me and not my wife Maria either. We drag ourselves out of bed. We fall down the stairs pretty much every morning because we're still too lazy to take steps. And, but here's something I've learned. And it's weird. Over the years, one of the things, I have my most, my highest anxiety every morning. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? I wake up stressed. I have no idea why. But every morning, oh my goodness, all this stuff needs to be done. Maria does that at nighttime. She can't fall asleep till like 2 in the morning. Like, I got to think about that. I think about that. I think about that. It's like, could you go to sleep, you know? And so, but I have my stress every morning. You know what I found that works for me? I go for my walk every morning. And I just, I'm not bragging here, but one thing I found is I go for my walks and I just thank God for being God. I just praise Him. I thank Him for who He is. And I find myself getting back home just, okay, we're ready to go. There's something about exalting God. It's what we've been called to do. We've been called to worship. And so let's make sure in our lives and let's make sure in our corporate worship that we are exalting God. So in this church, if you want to raise your hand, if that would help you express yourself to God and say, Lord, I extend my hands out of, as a child extends his hands to his parents saying, I need you. Do that. Feel free to do that. If you want to clap, feel free to clap. Now I want to just a little pet peeve of mine. Do you mind? Some of you purposely clap off beat. It drives me nuts. So if you're sitting next to someone who's clapping off beat, you have my permission to smack them. All right? Just do it on time and no one will know because it'll just be like everybody's clapping and there'll be this, this loud boom. I'm kidding. Don't hit them. But you get the hint, you know. I don't know why some people just intent on clapping off beat just to throw it all off. But hey, if we want to on a Sunday morning, if you want to clap, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to worship God freely... Do so. I heard someone say to me once, Pastor, I would love to raise my hand, but in church it's so awkward. That's like a vegetarian going to a vegetarian banquet and apologizing for bringing a salad. <laughs> Do you get it? Like, I'm in church and I feel awkward worshiping freely. So that's wrong on two ends. It's wrong that someone would feel that way, but it's wrong that there's actually someone looking around going, oh, so he raises his hand, does he? Hmm. Oh, her as well. My goodness. I hope that's not what we're doing. So if you want to worship, exalt God in gladness. We are his. He alone is God. His faithfulness endures forever. Let's make sure that when we come together on Sunday that we are worshiping Him, but it has to also happen in our own private lives. Wherever you are, you need to exalt God. Embrace one another. There's a second E. Embrace one another. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus is asked this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love 
God with everything we have. That's a no-brainer. Most of us find that easy. Okay, yes, I get it. I should love God with everything. It's the second part of that command that sometimes gets much more difficult for us. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle John warns us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. He says, And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must love his brothers, his brother, his fellow Christian, people around him. So how do we embrace one another? Now let me be very, very clear. I am not talking here about walking around giving big bear hugs. I'm not a hugger. And if you're going to come up to me and say, hey, Ike, oh man, that's like the worst way to embrace. I was like, nah, let's, let's pound it, man. We're Boom, we're good. So I'm not talking here about embracing in the sense of the one. We're going to be in our foyer just hugging away, you know, doing the one, two, three, and then we're done, you know, and tapping each other in the back, just big hugs. That's not necessarily how we embrace one another. If you're a hugger and you want to hug, find another hugger and go nuts. I, I, don't, I don't care. I'm not a hugger. But see, there's a lot of little things that we can do to help embrace one another. One of the most simplest things that we may actually be able to do in this church to help embrace other people is when we see someone, especially a young mom, single mom, she's got her baby care, you know, seat, and she's got the bag on, she's got the purse on because women carry 50-pound purses, and so she's loaded down with about 80 pounds, you know, walking into the church. Don't try to shake this woman's hand. Hold the door for her. And just say, welcome here, come on in. I heard this little phrase, sometimes it is better to help than to shake. Amen. Sometimes you've got your hands full and stuff like that, and the last thing you want to do is, ah, hold on a second, okay, you know, and try to collect all your stuff. So you just want to go out there and say, hey, you got your hands full. Can I carry something? Can I just help you with something? And these would be some simple ways that we can just embrace one another. It's said that when a new person comes to a church, the first impression they have of a church is their website. Okay, so we got a decent website. we got a good website. The second impression is the parking lot. And the third impression is the foyer. And that most people will decide whether they will attend a church or continue to attend a church before the pastor has opened his mouth. And yet we fire pastors because the churches are going empty. Think about that for a moment. Some of you decided whether you would stay in this church by whether or not you were embraced out there. And then you were like, you know what? The singing is great and the pastor, he's okay. But you're like, I just feel embraced here. You see, when people go somewhere, when people join, here are two things that they want to see happen. They want to connect and they want to engage. So they want to connect with some people, but they want to engage in that place and say, how can I get involved? What can I do? So we must help people to embrace one another. And we must be willing to embrace one another. Let me just throw a little vision out there. The rainy season is coming. It feels like it's been rainy season all summer, but the rainy season is coming, and which means our parking lot's going to be muddy again. It means that there's going to be pouring rain. So I'm willing for anybody who wants to do this, and you have to be over 18. Anybody who wants to do this, actually you don't have to be over 18. If you're, if you're responsible, I'll do this for you. I will buy you an umbrella. And here's what I want you to do. When someone shows up at our church, especially if it's a young parent, you're going to stand in the pouring rain and you're going to hold the umbrella over them as they walk into church. 
Not a single amen. I get it. I get it. You guys are like, oh, man. See, I saw this picture. I saw this picture that just said, we got to do that. And I could not find the picture, and I wanted to show it to you. But there's this picture of this guy. He's got his hoodie on. It's out of church. He's got his hoodie on, and it's pouring rain. And he's holding this umbrella like this, and he is just getting drenched. And underneath this umbrella is a single mom, or a mom, with her diaper bag and her baby, all smiles. And I thought to myself, man, you want to make someone feel welcome here? First time, it's pouring rain, and you're out there holding an umbrella saying, you matter. I'll get soaked. You stay dry. So if you're in, I'll buy you an umbrella, and let's get this thing going. Another way that we can embrace people is to invite them into small groups. And someone said to me not too long ago, you know, we've been coming here for about a year. We've been invited out once. We're just not really connecting, and so we need to invite people in. We need to invite them into our homes, and we need to invite them into our small groups. We need to create small groups for everyone if they want to, because not all of us here are family. We need to help embrace one another. Equipped for service. If we're going to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we must be willing to help them in their journey in understanding who Jesus is. So this will mean being a mentor. And some of you are like, man, I'm not very good at talking, but maybe you can just say, hey, I've had some of these struggles before. Here's what I did when I went through this. Here are some of the questions I've had before, and here's how God led me through these. You don't always have to be teaching to equip. Mentoring is such a powerful thing. So if you know that someone has given themselves over to Jesus Christ and come under the authority of Jesus Christ, and if you know this person, be willing to mentor this person, saying, hey, if you've ever got questions about what this all means, if you ever are confused or if you ever need some answers, I'm willing to let you look into my life to see how I'm doing this. Not that I've got it all figured out, but I'm willing to let you learn from me so that we can equip people for service. But we have to also be willing to be taught ourselves. We must keep growing in our own relationship with Jesus Christ and learning more and more about him. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, Paul says, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I love that. So Paul's saying, this is what I'm laboring towards. To present people perfect. To present them as educated as they can be. To present them with as much information. To admonish, to proclaim, to teach. This is what I labor for. But I don't do it on my own strength. So some of you right now are sitting there going, ooh, discipling. That scares me. Leading a small group, oh, that scares me. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to lead people. I don't know how to do this. And Paul's saying, you're not doing this on your own strength. Paul says, I do this struggling with all his, all of Jesus' energy, and he says, which so powerfully works in me. Do you know that Jesus wants to powerfully work through you? His energy is for you as well. All you need to do is open yourself up and say, God, I want to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and I will do this with all the energy you give me. Because I know I have the same Spirit in me that raised Jesus from the dead. So Holy Spirit, work powerfully through me. What an amazing thing. 
that we have that privilege of doing this for Christ. The beauty of leading someone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus is that we don't have to do it on our own energy. How, how comforting that is. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read that, that we are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And we are God's possession. So in order to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we need to exalt God, embrace one another, and we need to extend, uh, equip for service. And then lastly, we need to extend the kingdom. We can never close our doors and say, look at us, we're, we're good and full today. We'll manage. Let's close the door and, hey, there's a few empty seats, but you know what? It's comfortable this way because we're going to probably have babies and we're good. To extend the kingdom is got to be one of the things that we are always, always, always about. How are we going to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus if we don't have a vision to extend the kingdom of God? This brings us right back to our mission. It's full circle. Jesus told the Apostle Peter, when Peter was still a fisherman, Peter's out fishing, and then he catches all these fish, and, and Jesus says, Peter, now you're a fisherman of fish right now, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So Andy Stanley coined this cool little line. He says, to follow is to fish. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be fishing for people. You need to be drawing people in. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Timothy's a young guy. Paul had just told him earlier, he said, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. And now he's coming back to him again. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. God did not give us a spirit that's bashful or reserved or fearful or quiet. God did not give us a spirit that's afraid. God didn't give us a spirit that is bashful and reserved or timid. But a spirit of power. You have power in the name of Jesus. To go and make a difference in the name of Jesus. So Paul says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. And then he says this command, So do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Or ashamed of me, his prisoners. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We must Extend the kingdom of God. So the question is, what sacrifices are we willing to make? I know we all love hearing stories of these missionaries who, who sacrificed everything and they go away and they go to these incredible places. You read some of their books and you're like, man, that is so inspiring. But I'm asking us today, what sacrifices are we willing to make right here? So things need to maybe be shuffled around a little bit so that we can fit more people in. Are we willing to make that sacrifice because people matter? Sometimes people say numbers aren't important. Numbers are important because every number is a person and every person has a story that matters to God. Now if you're new here, let me just do some 
in-house stuff that maybe you're going to be like, I don't understand. But for those of you that have been here for a while, this will hopefully resonate with you. We've been talking in this church quite a bit about building on. We need to build. We're full. If you think this is full, you should see our children's wing. It's packed. So we said, we need to build. And so we prayed, and we, we brought in an architect, and an architect drew us some great drawings, and we looked at that thing and said, I love it. And we saw the price tag. And I remember an audible sound in this room when that price tag was re- released, when some people literally said, ooh. And this is maybe an observation that's mine, and so I'm not sure how accurate it is, but here's an observation I've seen that I believe I feel. Some of us, we kind of had the wind knocked out of us. And I hear some of us talking like, well, now that we can't afford to build, we're done. We can't afford to build a building. But there is nothing stopping us from extending the kingdom of God. We may not be able to build right now, but there is nothing standing in our way to say, you know what, we will lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ because I've come under the authority of Jesus. He is the head and this is his mission for the church. So even if we can't build that thing right now, we're going to continue to extend the kingdom. Church, we've got to buy in on that. We've got to buy in on that. I'm not saying to abandon one for the other, but we can never abandon the call to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. The mission of the church. Go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is the mission. So we're saying it this way so that we don't forget, and I want you to remember this. The mission of this church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. How will we do that? We will exalt God. We will embrace one another. We will equip for service, and we will continue to extend the kingdom, because that's what we've been called to do. So this is on all of us. This is not just the pastor's job. This is not just the board's job. This is not just different leaders in this church. This is on all of us. So let me ask the band to come up, and we want to sing this song called Consuming Fire. And I want us to just, again today, reflect on the fact that the Spirit of God that is all-consuming, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling in us. But here's a question I want you to wrestle with this morning. Simple question. Are you on board? Are you on board? Are you willing to say, you know what, God? I'll do all I can to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That will become my mission. So we're going to sing this song a little bit, but I I just feel this. And you can start playing if you don't mind. Do you need to first ask God for strength to do this? 
you know, you could say later on, oh, that's an inspiring sermon. That's good. Well said, well said. Are you in? Are you in? Are we ready to go as a church? Busy season's coming, folks. Most of us are still in vacation mode, and September's coming, and and busy season's coming, and we're going to have people join us, and we're going to have people visiting, and we're going to have all this stuff happening. I am so excited for this fall and for the winter. Can't wait for our Christmas events because we got all that kind of worked already. There's some great things coming, but we all need to be in because we need to all go do our thing to say, I will do what God is able to do in me to extend the kingdom. Are you in? I want us just for a moment just to pray and say, God, is there something hindering me that would keep me from doing this? Is there something that's blocking me? Is there an attitude I have right now that says, well, that's not going to work? You pray. You ask God, search me and know my heart. Because this needs to be all of us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there's anything here that's trying to hold us back, we would overcome that in the name of Jesus. I pray that if there's a fear, Jesus, that we would surrender that fear to you and we would go forward as you are leading us. Jesus, I pray if there's an insecurity, maybe someone feels they don't know what to say, they don't know how to say it. Jesus, we just surrender that insecurity to you and we say, use us. We will labor with all your energy which is working powerfully in us. Jesus, we are your church. We surrender to you and we want to accomplish your mission. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.